Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football, presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group and John Donovan. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, Texas obviously with a big, big win over Texas Tech, 57-7, to ranked number seven in both the AP and coaches poll. And uh, it's Big 12 Championship week now going against Oklahoma State. Sark has a presser at 11.30. What do you think we got? What do you think we'll hear? Well, I, I so I want to say one. I want to get one thing out of the way after last night's chat. Hook them. All right. <laughs> um, all right. And by the way, click the like and subscribe button for us. Uh, as far as the presser, I think. Uh, look, I'm, I'm looking on injury wise. What's Sark going to say? <clears throat> Ryan Watts specifically. Um, I think Cedric Baxter. Obviously, he mentioned that Saturday night. That if that would have uh, that was more of a coach's decision, just aggravated a hit pointer there. So why play him when you're up that much and just continue to get him hit and hit? Um, so uh, I think it's injuries. Um, I, I think just the overall. I think he'll hit on Bobby. Uh, the mission is not complete. Uh, the team's mindset is great going into this week. I'm guessing he's going to say they had a great morning of practice, uh, and this team's ready for what's in front of them. They know what's in front of them. I, I don't know what he can say right now. You know, uh, I don't want him to sit there and lobby for the college football playoff committee. Uh, I'm sure he'll be asked about that. I can start uh, Saturday at three, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that'll start exactly right after that football game, if indeed the Longhorns uh, beat uh, uh, Oklahoma State. One of the things that we mentioned uh, and we, we've got going down on the scroll there, uh, the Longhorns opened up this game as 10.5-point favorites over Oklahoma State. In two days since then, the line is up to 14. I mean, this is, uh, tell you what, some people think the Longhorns are coming to, coming for blood on Saturday, apparently, uh, especially the folks in Vegas. Uh, that's going to be interesting. My my other thing, uh, takeaway here, Jerry, is it's we're also entering the portal time period oh, yeah. for Longhorn fans. I don't expect Steve Sarkeesian to discuss that uh, at his press conference either, but we're hearing some rumblings uh, behind the scenes that, uh, yeah, there are going to be some guys enter the portal, but these aren't necessarily starters, et cetera. These are guys that are behind other players. At the same time, I'm hearing on a positive note that at least one starter that was expected to leave is returning. Uh, I'm not going to announce that uh, player's name right now uh, because I don't want to get, you know, he needs to be able to do that on his own time frame. Uh, but uh, he's expected back next year. And so that's that's going to be a big deal going into the SEC as Texas, uh, Jerry, tries to be a more experienced team. Yeah. I wrote this morning on Inside Texas. Uh, think about it this way. Texas right now, the Texas defense, ranked number one in the nation in third down defense, Jerry and Blake. Number one in the nation, third down defense. Think back to two years ago, okay, when Texas couldn't stop a soul on third down. In, in the entire second half of games, okay? Did you think Texas would ever, with this same coaching staff, not a single coach has changed on the defensive side of the ball in two years, okay? It shows that it's the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. Better players mean whatever. It shows development matters. Continuity and coaching matters. Experience matters. Recruiting matters. I mean, Anthony Hill and Manny Muhammad made big plays on Saturday, on Friday night. All of it matters. 
And uh, I, I, I think that you look at that, my opinion right now is, is Texas is hitting, uh, at least on its defense, on all cylinders. Uh, the offense, uh, yes, they kicked five field goals, but they got down there to kick five field goals too. Uh, so I, I feel like Longhorns are, are, are playing pretty good brand of football right now. The win at Iowa State looks even more impressive now that Iowa State went on the road and beat uh, Kansas State last week. Uh, or on on Saturday, uh, so uh, that's I'm I'm all over the place this morning talking about various pa- pieces of information and news I want to pass on. Uh, one last thought I had on that about that Iowa State win. This is why you have to take care of your own business and win your way in because if Texas would have lost to Texas Tech, Iowa State won, Oklahoma won, Oklahoma State won, Texas would have been left out of the Big Twelve Championship. If the Longhorns didn't win, that's why you take care of your own business Uh, and hats off to those guys because they did that on Friday night. 57 to seven is a throttling in every sense of the word. And if if Texas fans like that press coverage against Tech Saturday, Friday, I think you're going to see it again Saturday because there's a couple of similarities uh, with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State outside of Oklahoma State being nine and three and having Mike Gundy. The outside receivers for Oklahoma State are not vertical threat guys. So you can press those guys and not feel like you're going to give up a home run behind you. Uh, The difference is Presley is a slot receiver, 76 catches for about 750 yards, uh, where Miles Price was hurt last week. And then the same thing, uh, Oklahoma State offensive line, good offensive line, not maybe the level up. They're really good teams. Uh, So I think you can press them on the outside. Uh, you uh, You can attack that offensive line. They're going to be a downhill pull two power run game against you. Um, so I think there's some similarities there in personnel uh, with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech as far as the outside receivers. So I think you're going to see a bunch of I think you're going to see a bunch of press man and a very aggressive defensive game plan uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. in Dallas. All right, guys, before we move on uh, and talk about a couple other things, Bobby, one thing I wanted you to explain to everybody, you kind of teased it last week, is the 12 days of Christmas uh, that we're doing right here on Coffee and Football and on Texas Football. I'm going to toss it over to you and let you take that away. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is Christmas season, guys, uh, and it is t- that time of year. And what we're doing right now is something called the 12 days of Christmas. Each and every day for the next 12 days of Coffee and Football, I'm going to be uh, just putting some products up. You guys know that I wear a lot of Texas hats, Texas gear. Uh, the other guys do as well. Uh, well, it's coming from these different vendors. Uh, I wanted to, you know, make sure you know about it. We're not getting any percentage back off of this stuff. So I don't mind saying this. 12 days of Christmas. This one's homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you get 15% off your first order with code on Texas 23. That's on Texas. Uh, 23. I have that shirt there on the left myself, uh, the one that has the Texas with the Bevo uh, on it. Uh, Big fan of this uh, group. They've been with us from the very start of football season. uh, And we know that Black Friday and, uh, you know, I don't know that guys are necessarily all about Black Friday and all that stuff. But I think the people that watch this show uh, may be a little bit into uh, watching or or buying some Texas gear. Anyways, our listeners here uh, get an exclusive deal. Using code ONTEXAS23. ONTEXAS23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing UT gear. So if you're in need of a refresh or want something for Christmas, 
Uh, and really think you should, I really think you should check out Home Field Apparel. Their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, use code ONTEXAS for 15% off of your first order. Uh, that's homefieldapparel.com. We've been with them since the start of the season. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship of On Texas Football. All right, guys, before we get to the next segment here and have a little discussion, I do want to read one thing real quick, or two things, actually. UT Boy at the Super Chat. Thank you, UT Boy. He says, thank you, Jerry Hamilton. Welcome home. Hook them, family. <laughs> hey, UT Boy, I, let me say this, Blake, unless you need to keep going. No, uh, go we're going to be back at Terry Black's on Friday. Yeah. Uh, most people that came out, UT Boy was there, a couple other people. If you're coming into town on Friday for the game, or if you just want to hang out with us, uh, Jerry and I will be at Terry Black's Barbecue over in downtown Dallas. They have a great setup, great barbecue. Uh, and we will be there starting at 3 o'clock. We're actually going to be there setting up around 2.30. Feel free to come out, hang out before the game uh, on Saturday uh, if you're coming into Dallas. Uh, love to see you guys. All right, guys. And then the other one I wanted to read real quick uh, from King Me. He says, fun fact for Bobby, the game was 43 to 7 when Bush ran back an interception for 43 yards to go up by 43. Bush wears number 43. Man, that is some serious thinking right there. <laughs> yeah, congrats to King Me on all that. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, one thing that I know that we wanted to touch base on this morning was Big 12 awards. Obviously, they won't be announced until next week after the Big Championship is decided. But what are you guys expecting on that front when it comes to Texas? Well, I, I mean, look, I think that you look at a couple of different pieces to that, Blake. Um, one of which is, is, you know, the major player of the year awards. So offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. I think the offensive player of the year goes to either Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State or Dylan Gabriel at OU. I don't think Texas wins an offensive player of the year award. Jonathan Brooks would have been the natural at that for, for Texas had he not been injured. So I think that'll go to either an OU or Oklahoma State player. I'm leaning towards Ollie Gordon since Ollie Gordon's team made the Big 12 championship. Uh, all right. Defensive player of the year. I think it's going to be Tavondre Sweat or Byron Murphy. If it's not, I think it's a travesty. So who gets player of the year? Does Tavondre Sweat win Big 12 player of the year? I mean, I could see the coaches voting him as the Big 12 player of the year. Hey, Jerry, I, I got to tell you this. This is this is something that's crazy to me that people aren't going to realize. Do you realize, and I, I said this last night in last night's live stream, Tavondre Sweat is second on the team in defended passes. Yep. You realize that he's got five defended passes, batting down screens this year. Uh, he's he's just been all over the place. I think Byron Murphy has five sacks on the year. I think he's. I mean, I know people are talking about Tavondre Sweat because he's such a physical anomaly, but Byron Murphy has played just as well. well uh, and here's the thing about Byron Murphy: he plays over the ball, and he 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 occupies two blockers. And Tavondre Sweat is there to eat. And by the way, I can't imagine how big Tavondre Sweat's chain's going to be if he wins the Big 12 Player of the Year overall. Man, that yeah. thing's going to get twice the size it is now. <laughs> He's going to add a second link. Yes. <laughs> um, the other, the other uh, award that I think Texas should be up for 
is uh, newcomer of the year in the conference. I think Adonai Mitchell, with nine touchdowns on the season, uh, will likely be named the newcomer of the year. Obviously, that also includes freshmen and transfers, but I can't think of another player in the Big 12 that, that should be up for that. I also believe that uh, Anthony Hill is a good bet to be defensive newcomer of the year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, or defensive freshman of the year, whatever they want to call that. So we can talk about that, uh, all of those things. Of course, uh, Big 12, all conference teams as well. The Longhorns just should have a litter of, of players on those uh, two and three deep uh, conf- all conference teams come Thursday. Hey, here's an interesting comment. Speaking of awards, I know this is national and obviously not conference, but Cooper Green says, Bert Auburn for the Lou Groza Award. As a former kicker, he has been awesome. And credit to Lance and Ryan as well for figuring out the snap and hold issues. I mean, he's been money. Broke the single season record for, uh, for UT. That's an understatement that he's been money. I mean, yeah. 19 of 19. When he stood up there and hit that 54-yarder, I was thinking to myself, Jerry, like, okay, this is the one where he's going to miss it. Right. This is going to snap the streak. Sark basically, I thought Sark wants the streak to be broken for even putting him out there in that situation. <laughs> you know, he just wants to get it off the monkey off his back. Nah, he just stepped up and nailed it. You know, so I agree. I don't think he'll, the, the issue with the Lou Groza guys, and y'all tell me, is it, it deals so much with season long percentage goals and all this other stuff. You don't necessarily win the Lou Groza if you're if you've missed five kicks all year. Like Alabama's guy has missed two kicks all year. What is he? Seventeen of nineteen. That, that those kind of stats somewhere along the way probably get it. Even though nineteen in a row, I don't think anybody in the in the country's hit nineteen in a row other than Bert Auburn at this point. Yeah, super impressive, no doubt about it. Right, a question here from Jason. He says, how much does the Texas hate affect the Big 12 awards? I don't, I don't think it will. This is coaches voting. Um, look, and that's why I think Tefondre Sweat's going to actually win the Big 12 Player of the Year. Um, because do you think Kansas State's going to vote for him? <laughs> you think Kleiman's going to vote for him? Matt Campbell's going to vote for him? I just I think this guy made too many impactful plays and took away – I mean, in really game-changing plays at times, and the fourth down stops. Uh, I think he's going to get ev- about every vote from uh, the Big 12 head coaches for the the player of the year in the Big 12. Maybe not Oklahoma. Might be not Venables might not be able to stomach that one, but I think everybody else might vote for him. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's move on. Obviously, college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, but there's already a huge, huge conversation here in the chat. Burt Reynolds Jr. says, how big of a bind is the college football playoff committee in if we win, FSU beats Louisville in a, net, in a nail fighter, Oregon wins, and Bama beats Georgia? I, I think the first thing is, <clears throat> I've said this before, they have the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card this year. So last year, the four-team playoff. Next year, there's 12. We don't have to worry about this. So they do have a get-out-of-jail-free card of sorts. But <clears throat> Bobby and Blake, I think it – I think that there's going to be tremendous pressure. I'm so interested to see where Ohio State is in Tuesday's, uh, the next release of the uh, college football playoff rankings. If Ohio State is in front of Texas and Alabama, that that's going to be interesting to me. And I'm not saying they will be, and I'm not saying they should be. But if they are, then it gets interesting to me what this committee is going to do. And I'm not saying Ohio State would get in the playoff, and not winning the conference championship because this is not the year that happens. 
but I think it's gonna it would be interesting to where their thinking is if it happens. I'm not saying it will happen, but that is the number one thing I'm watching. Otherwise, it should be state or remain. It should be the same chalk with everybody moving up a line. I mean, it, it should be Texas the six, Alabama the seven, and Ohio State eight. Um, but if by chance they're in front of Texas and Alabama, that's kind of telling for what this committee's thinking right now until I, the I, hand is absolutely forced. Yeah, my 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 thinking on this is slightly different. I don't necessarily think that Tuesday's vote is going to be very revealing. Um, and the reason I say that is, uh, you know, Ohio State could be well ahead of Texas in this first vote, but I don't think they will be if Texas wins on uh, on Saturday because Ohio State's sitting at home. Texas is going to move up. The, the Big 12 or the, the College Football Playoff Committee has to pay attention to in their bylaws or whatever you want to call them, they have to play pay particular attention to conference championships, common opponents, and common score, common outcomes of school, of teams. So Texas um, is going to have that. They will definitely have it uh, for being a, a conference champion over Ohio State in the final rankings. That will matter, uh, not this week, but next week. Um, I also think the common opponent or the, the head-to-head if Alabama beats Georgia and Texas isn't ahead of Alabama, let's talk because hey, this will be that, a heck that of their, that's in their bylaws that that head to head matters. Yeah. So Alabama people are saying like some people in the SEC are saying, oh well, Georgia's going no matter what. Well, if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's not going ahead of Alabama. That's not happening. Head to head matters, and so I, I think it's. I think if that's the case, you can see that if if Alabama wins, I think Texas is in. If Florida State loses, I think Texas is in. So long as the Longhorns win, those are the two things that that uh, matter. I don't see at this point Texas jumping a one-loss Oregon. The, the they've already made their bed on this. The, yeah. They, the committee has already said that that's the, that's the way they're going with this. And, and they play an undefeated opponent, not a three-loss opponent this week. Right, exactly. And so that, that, I think Oregon, that, Oregon being ranked seven in that first poll was revealing because they were going to build their resume after that first poll. Their big games are after that first poll. Um, so that, 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 was, that was a tough one for Texas out of the gate. Uh, because that was telling the what the committee was was really thinking at that time, considering Texas had beaten Bama and had a much tougher strength of schedule at the time. So lots of chat about Oregon and FSU in the chat, obviously. Uh, Shadow Bearded says Texas and Oregon now have a common opponent played. We'll see if that jumps us on Tuesday. But they're doing a Tuesday ranking and then Sunday after yes. the championship games, correct? Yes, they're they're announced. So Tuesday tomorrow is I think around six thirty. Is that right, Jerry? Yeah, uh, is the CFP uh, ranking. But then Sunday, the following day after after uh, the Saturday games, they're announcing it at eleven a.m. for NFL games. So we'll know we'll know by eleven a.m. Sunday whether or not Texas and whoever else is in the college football playoff at this time. Hey, Blake, I need to say thank you and want to say thank you to our sponsor. Yeah. Uh, that's John Donovan, uh, president of the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. John's a proud Texas X Life member. He and his wife and all of six John's six siblings uh, went to UT and graduated. So it's a deep Longhorn family pride that led John 
to dedicate his firm to providing total wealth management solutions for Texas alumni, employees, family, and friends. John is a certified financial planner who has now spent over 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and planning services and solutions to his clients. If you'd like a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you design, develop, defend, and distribute your wealth for the benefit of you and your loved ones, please give John and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's longhornwealth.net, 972-707-4900. We appreciate John and his sponsorship of Coffee and Football. Uh, Bobby Brown, good question. How does Louisville match up with FSU? Because this is the game for Texas fans. Um, spreads drop from five and a half to three. Look, I think that it's, it's an interesting game because Jeff Brom, as long as their offensive line can hold up and pass pro, they'll score more than 15 uh, because Billy Napier just ain't whatever. Uh, he boneheaded that game away and then in the first half. Um, they will score more than 15 on FSU if they can handle the pass rush. The question is Louisville's secondary. Florida's young in the secondary. How does Louisville's secondary hold up against two really different type of wide receivers? I mean, just size-speed ratio. Um, and and I think if if Louisville's offensive line holds up, I think they can maybe be able to get the 20. Their running backs are good. Uh, Plummer's a good player. They could get to 24, 27 points. I think if Louisville gets to 24 to 27 points, they're going to win the game. I think their pass protection is paramount uh, for the Cardinals in that game. I I, it's interesting the line's gone down that much. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought Florida State came back and proved they were the better team on Saturday night. I watched that entire game, by the way. Uh, Florida State's a, a resilient football team. They have some athletes that fly around the football. They have a, a pair of wide receivers that are really good. They have a running back that I think is an NFL player. Uh, they've got some guys. There's a reason they're 12 and up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I would add this. Uh, they are – you know, the question I have is whether or not you could really take a team that's 13 and 0 and not put them in the playoffs. And I just don't, I, if I were on that committee, I couldn't do that to a team. Not that played the schedule they did. And it's not like their quarterback is Davis Bevel or whoever the right. one guy was that OU rolled out there last year. And he's actually a, a decent player. He's had time before. Um, they went into the swamp with him and won. That's not insignificant in my opinion. So I, I don't I just don't see that happening. All right, Joe, we got some super chats we need to get to about the college football playoff. Very hot topic here. And obviously so. Uh Kyle Witherspoon says, Thanks for explaining the Bama wins and the FSU win scenario last night for Texas. Let's now move to what if FSU wins and Iowa wins? Is I is Ohio <laughs> State in at that point? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Kyle. I, I look. My, my my thought on Iowa is I'm not if if Michigan doesn't bust a run fitter coverage, I'm not sure Iowa gets 150 yards in this game. They don't make it past 50 yard line. The only I, like I could see it on some kind of muffed punt by Pitt, Michigan because I was going to punt ten times. You know, if I were Michigan, I wouldn't even feel to punt. I, I don't even know. Look, Iowa is so bad on offense. Oh. It, it it's it's worse it's worse than watching paint dry. It's like 
watching it crack and peel. I mean, it, it's 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 so bad, guys. They uh, if you saw any of the Iowa Nebraska game on Saturday, <laughs> it set back offensive football decades. I mean, it was ugly. I mean, I, I don't even know how to say that. To it, it, mean, sent, it sent more Nebraska fans to the volleyball court. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, look, Iowa's 10 and 2, though. The worst 10 and 2 team I've ever seen. Worst offensive 10 and 2 team. They're good on defense now. Yeah. They, they, they've got a way about, they play a, a, a really good brand of ball on defense. I'm not saying that about their D, defense. The, the thing that, that gets me, um, what happens if Iowa wins? Ohio State would not be in over Michigan at that point because Michigan has the head-to-head, in my opinion. Okay? And it doesn't mean that two Big Ten teams, therefore, get in either. Um, if, if Iowa were to somehow, I don't know, somebody, Michigan muffs a punt or whatever, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I agree with Tommy. The Big Ten 12, the Big Ten championship game always sucks because it's always one-sided because they went to this east-west alignment that included Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, the three best teams in that side of the conference. Yeah. Uh, they're changing that next year, by the way. Uh, so that'll be different from here, here going forward. But uh, big fan, uh, personally, of Iowa on their defense. I think they have no chance. Uh, the, the, the spread's like 20 points, 22 points. And that's low. That's low. I mean, I, I, I well, mean, I mean, no, I don't think, look, Michigan, Michigan's not going to try to run, do anything more than run the ball to run out the clock. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think it's low. I think this score could be 10 to nothing. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally think that Michigan <laughs> could just run the ball and not, and just play defense. Like Harbaugh didn't throw the ball in the second half, or Michigan didn't throw the ball in the second half against Penn State. Not a single pass. Yeah. You think they're not going to think they're going to put the ball in harm's way against Iowa? I just, I, I think, so here's my thing. I think Iowa is good on D, uh, but I think their numbers are inflated because of the, the division they play in in the Big Ten. I I mean, uh, to your point, Bobby, but I think pick sixes, fumble, I, I just think this is going to be a mauling. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be out to uh, shove it up everybody's rear end Saturday. Uh, but he could do that with backups in this game. I mean, that's the thing. They're that much more talented. Um, but it'll, it'll be fun. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to try to make his own little personal statement uh, come Saturday uh, to the Big Ten, personally. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, well, about people asking, Jarrett Gibson did go uh, to the – Jarrett Gibson was at the Texas game Friday, Florida Saturday. Um, so we'll see. I, I wrote this morning uh, five recruiting storylines on Inside Texas. Here's my thing. It's my take is the same for Jarrett Gibson. It is for Xavier Philsame with Florida, uh, Texas battling Florida there. If Jarrett Gibson schedules an official visit to Florida and makes that trip, then that's probably a pretty good indication of what's going to happen. If Xavier Philsame schedules an official visit to Texas, um, that's probably a pretty good indication of where that thing's headed. Uh, so if I'm going to say that about Philsame, I'm going to say that about Jarrett Gibson. Uh, Jarrett Gibson's been on campus. He look, he li- his parents live in Gainesville. He's from Gainesville. He's a one-time Florida commitment. Florida should be going all out for him until signing day. If they're not, they're not doing a good job. But they also have Jaden Ball committed to Arkansas, uh, running back committed to Arkansas. He's scheduled to officially visit Florida December 9th. I think Florida's looking. To, they prefer Gibson, but I think they'd be happy with either guy. 
they want they're going to get another back in this class. That's the main thing. Uh, and was Xavier feel same for those asking? Look, if he schedules an official visit, gets back on campus at Texas, I think that's a very good sign for the Longhorns. We'll see where that one goes. Um, he was at uh, Florida this weekend, obviously. Uh, so he's got to watch both teams in game prep, which is something he wanted to do from what I hear. Uh, so we'll see which direction that goes. Obviously, if he gets back on campus at Texas, they need, probably need to get his mom on campus. who She lives in Orlando. Dad lives in McKinney. The dad and him or came down for the unofficial visit last week. We want to thank Mike Gosnell for the super chat there about Jared Gibson. And uh, guys, going back to the college football playoff, we have another super chat real quick. This one from David Smith. Thank you, David. He says, Texas played eight bowl-eligible teams. Oregon played five. Does this matter? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, it, strength of schedule is supposed to matter, but apparently not is the, the, the bottom line. Apparently not. And here, here's another thing. You could be talking about strength of schedule and only be talking about the top two or three teams you played. That's what gets me is, you know, it's it's all relative. Like Texas played Alabama. That's the best team Texas played this year, right? Washington is the best team Oregon will have played. I don't, I don't know. You know, and, and I would I would add this. If uh, Texas is – if Alabama were to win the, the SEC – then Texas's best win would be better than Oregon's best win because Alabama would, would be ranked ahead of uh, Washington at that point in time, in my opinion. I will do one more on the college football playoff. Bobby, this one is for you, and it is from UT Boy. He says, Bobby, do you think the committee has already showed Texas what they think about us? Absolutely. Yeah, Some, somewhat. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. I think that what hurt Texas is when the committee first came out, they were coming off that loss to Oklahoma and they didn't have convincing win the very next week or the two weeks hence uh, against Houston. Then they played a, a BY, a nondescript BYU team or, and then beat K-State with a backup quarterback. They Texas has been an afterthought. They just kind of put Texas down below uh, because they didn't have all the momentum right when those started. Uh, Texas, though, in the last two games has come out and played really strong, in my opinion. So we'll see how that goes. But, but here's the reality, though. Whether Texas is ahead of Oregon or not doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, it doesn't matter to me anymore. This all this is going to come down to FSU winning or losing Saturday to me. Saturday night. Texas and Bama. And Bama. Jordan. And Bama. But, I mean, look, either Oregon or Washington's getting in. The winner of that game is going to get in the playoff. Uh uh, because so it's almost doesn't even matter if Oregon is, is six and Texas is seven or if they flip flop right now. If Oregon beats Washington Saturday and avenges that loss um, and they win the Pac-12, they're going to get in the playoff uh, because they just beat one of the undefeated teams. Uh, so it, it really, to me, is going to come down to the FSU game. Um, you know, look, I mean, I, I think Georgia will beat Alabama. I, I, I know. Um, that, you know, I, I just think Georgia's going to force Jalen Milrow to make throws that ne nor him or Alabama wants him to make in that game. They're the one team that has the ability to do that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just think this is coming down to the FSU game, guys. All right, y'all. Well, I we got one more super chat about the college football playoff. This one from AB Cap 33. Hope I'm saying that right. He says, honestly, do y'all think missing the college football playoff would be better long-term? As Bobby shakes his head, no. Yeah. Chip on the shoulder plus improvement year in, 
versus potential embarrassing loss like TCU. I don't. Well, I would say this. I don't think Texas would have an embarrassing loss in a college football playoff. I think they're a much better equipped um, team than TCU. And I do think Georgia is uh, Georgia is not this year what they were the last two years. Um, they don't have that type of experience and talent level on defense. They're very talented, but they're a different team. Um, so I, I don't I, I don't see Texas having an embarrassing loss. It's always better to get in the playoff if you're a blue blood, especially where Sarkeesian's at in his program built. For a TCU, that was you you knew that was their pretty much their only shot. Um, so you know, and it did set them back. But I, I don't I think Texas is I think Texas will play with anybody if they get in the playoff. TCU is going to return to mean. I mean that, that that's the issue. Is Texas needs to not let this be something. I look. The amount of uh, PR, brand recognition, um, recognition from future recruits, parents, everybody across the country will know who's in the college football playoff. That is a month. That's intentionally related to college football. You will know who is in the 14 playoff. You want your brand, Texas, and the Longhorn logo to be one of those four teams. Because the amount of exposure you get, yes. I mean, think about it. Every bowl game that ESPN does will have, talk about the, they'll have ads within that program about the four-team college playoff. And Texas will be, I mean, the amount of exposure you get from being in there is is amazing. So I absolutely want Texas to make the playoffs, if at yes. all possible. There's no... Um, you know, I don't know that it's going to happen, but that's what we want. Absolutely. Blake, you're, you're muted, buddy. My best. We're here watching Coffee and Football presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Guys, we're going to turn the page on the playoffs there for a little bit and get to some of these super chats. Arch Mania, thank you, Arch. He said, if you were Sweat and Murphy's agent, would you really recommend them playing in the Senior Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I I will say why um, that that is a proving ground of sorts uh, for those guys. Byron Murphy is not a first round draft pick right now, and Sweat's a fringe one. Yeah, and so they have to go prove that they're. If Tavondre Sweat wants to be a first round pick, he needs to go prove he's a first round pick. Yeah, Byron Murphy is anywhere from a second to a fifth round grade right now. He needs to go play. You know, so but I would absolutely do it. Otherwise, you can just leave it to the whims, I guess. And if you believe in yourself, go play. If you don't believe in yourself or you think you've already got it in the bag, neither one of those guys have. I mean, like, Tavondre does not have a first round grade in the bag right now. He, you know, many people think he should, but he only had a, a one great season at Texas. Yep. Let's, let's talk about that because. He was a little bit late coming to the party. Byron Murphy has been more consistent, but he needs to see if he can play against NFL offensive linemen on a consistent basis because he doesn't see that necessarily in in the the Big Big 12. 12. That's the other thing. That's the big thing. The Big 12 is not full of NFL draft picks on the offensive line. These guys, this is a huge week for those guys in Mobile to go out um, and in the practices as much as the games. And go out and prove it. I mean, and the other thing for Byron Murphy is, you know, what if he if he doesn't play over the ball 
in that game. If they move him to more of a three-tech in that game, he may really shine in a game like that. All right, we have another question, another super chat here. This one from Antonio Harris. Thank you, Antonio. He says, Jerry, Bobby, Blake, do you think that Catalan is coming back? From the looks on Bevo Boulevard, Murphy had an interest in the game, and it showed this weekend. Hook on. Uh, Murphy had an interest in the game. Um, what does that mean? Malik Murphy? I'm not sure. Or Byron Murphy? We'll circle back to that one. What about Catalan? I don't know that Catalan's coming back. He did not walk in the uh, graduation ceremony on senior night. He and Isaiah Nayor, neither one did so. Um, I, I don't know that, that Catalan's coming back right now. I mean, Texas may uh, move on uh, for for them uh, and, and try to really push some some uh, younger guys to the forefront. Uh, Derek Williams clearly is going to be a player for Texas. Michael Taff is clearly going to be a player for Texas. Uh, one's a sophomore, one's a freshman. Uh, so then you have guys like Austin Jordan and Jelani McDonald, who I think are going to get run at safety next year. Um, so all of that adding to it and other uh, players coming in uh, at Texas, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if Catalan comes back. I, I would be less. I would be less than 50-50 that he returns at this point. All right. Then we have a super chat here uh, from Rudy Serta. Thank you, Rudy. And he says it was amazing seeing the backup offensive line barking at tech players and playing nasty. The future is bright. Guys, I went back and watched this game a second time, or actually three times now, just looking at various parts. Right. And- one of the things I did is I really paid particular attention in the third and fourth quarter to the backup backup offensive line. I'm not sure Cam Williams isn't the best run blocker on the team. Yeah. I, I Bobby. I, I mean, I, I'm talking about including Kelvin Banks. Yeah. Christian Jones, DJ Campbell, all of them. I, I go back to when we're sitting at the spring game. Freak. So we're sitting at the spring game with Brian Irwin, coach, lunch with the coach, and he made a comment that. Cam Williams is moving people in the run game two yards farther downfield than any other Texas lineman. And I, and I said, and I looked at him, I said, yeah, that's right. And that, and that was before, that was when he was a raw player coming out of Duncanville, by the way, not the spring. Yeah. Not, yeah. It was a spring game last year. Yeah. They ran behind him. You want to know why they ran the ball down everybody's throats? They ran behind him and Cole Hudson. A guy that started, you know, 12, 13 games last year. And uh, and uh, Neto Umiozulu, oh, my goodness. You talk about a person that plays with a chip on his shoulder. Holy cow, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, he is – he's the definition of chippy. I mean, he, he literally is. Uh, I thought Connor Robertson looked very, very good at center. Jaden Chapman of that group was clearly – he clearly didn't have the seasoning of the others, which is expected since he's the only one of that group that is a true freshman. Uh, he was a little late on some assignments, uh, but athletically looked really, really good. Um, I, I, I think the key there with Chapman for the fans to know is they don't want to burn Trevor Gooseby's red shirt because if something happens Saturday, but God forbid Kelvin Banks goes down or something, they may have to play Gooseby. So they didn't want to play him Friday night. In case they have to, in something weird happens, they have to play him at two or even three more games this year. You just don't know with injury. So, but Jaden Chapman's an interesting guy. 
He's been pretty much tried at every position so far. Texas really likes him. They're not sure where he's going to end up long-term, but they really like his athleticism and his upside. All right. So one more. I want to add this. Go ahead, Bobby. I've been around Texas football for a long time. I'm not sure I've ever seen a Texas offensive lineman play chippier than Neto. And that includes Casey Studdard. I mean, he is – I I mean, Neto at least six times – I counted at least six times where he was barking after the play, maybe hitting a little late. I mean, he was he was raring to go on 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 Friday night, <laughs> raring to go. Whew. All right. Uh, oh, before I get to this next super chat, Jonathan Stoker, I got part of your super chat, but I don't have the question. If you'll send it in regular, I'll make sure to fix that for you. And then with that said, guys, we have one here from Damon Chandler. I want to thank Damon. He says, good morning, Texas, from East St. Louis, Illinois. Hey. How do we get more Texas scouts to this area? I see players from around here right. on a lot of SEC rosters from A&M, Tennessee, Alabama. Let's get them in burnt orange. Hey, Ryan Wingo's on his way, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> He's from St. Louis. We agree. Jerry and I have talked about this often. Uh, Texas needs to take basically a semicircle, in our opinion, and go from basically Phoenix to Denver, Kansas City, over to St. Louis, and then come back down this side of New Orleans. Maybe add in Mississippi uh, now that they're so close and make that kind of a halo of where they recruit a lot. Now, of course, they're going to go into Georgia and uh, Florida because of the the number, the sheer number of prospects and quality there. But I agree, uh, through the years, Texas has, has not done as much in St. Louis uh, or Kansas City even as they could there's not a ton of prospects there but there's there's some and uh ryan wingo is one of them and i think that uh i think texas fans are going to really like him so uh, well that question mentioned a and m and that's one thing that we have not talked about today obviously there's a lot of coaching changes going on even one of the nfl's the panthers just now fired their head coach while we were talking a second ago uh <laughs> but what y'all take on the coaching carousel right now when it comes to college football I think I think uh, obviously Elko uh, he, the, he landed in College Station last night. The guy that caught Mike Stoops' wedding bouquet uh, is officially <laughs> in College Station now. Um, I actually think the OC hire, if it's true, it's the guy from Missouri. That would actually be a pretty sound hire for them. Um, Kellen Moore's brother, who played wide receiver at Boise, up and coming coach. Um, I think it's interesting. After that, I think U of H. Um, I think Gary Patterson is in play there. I think Jeff Trailer's name will be uh, in play there. But I, I wonder if they go for somebody with a zero or low buyout. Killiff Kingsbury, I think, also is going to be mentioned there. I'm not sure he wants to come back to college football in a head coach capacity. But if there's a no buyout, really good option, I'm not sure U of H doesn't go that direction. But we'll see. I that That's a good point. Why are these teams paying buyouts? Because it's the – I guess it's because it's the norm. But look, I mean, you can get if if it seems to me that picking college coaches is basically a 50-50 proposition. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I mean, hey, less than that, that, how good you think it's going to be. What's that? Less than that if you hire a search firm. Yeah, that's <laughs> Just true. do it yourself and don't waste 250 Yeah, <laughs> but but it, it, it's it, I understand why they go that route um, because that's the, the market dictate it, dictates it. And guys like Jimmy Sexton, the agent, dictates it. I mean, think about Jimmy Sexton. He's on one end of the – how much money has Jimmy Sexton personally made off of Texas A&M? Oh, gosh. Not only does he represent Jimbo Fisher, he represents Mike Elko. I mean, I, you know, anyways, you know, bygones be gone. I don't, I don't begrudge a man that at all. Uh, but my point is – I don't understand the whole buyout process unless it's somebody that you absolutely want to keep, not somebody you're giving an opportunity to. Right. All right. A couple other things I want to say, not only is that job open, you mentioned Houston Baylor last night or yesterday afternoon, Jerry decided to stick with that Dave Aranda, Aranda three and nine this season did not look like they could. I mean, I, I gotta be honest. They, they look horrible almost all season long. Uh, for what you saw of them, they were mostly on ESPN Plus streaming. Um, but apparently he's going to retake uh, play calling duties on defense, retain his defensive coordinator in the process, and then also change up his offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, expected to be released there. Uh, and furthermore, Baylor, uh, as an athletic department, said they're going to focus more on NIL going forward. So. They've been left in the dust in that regard, uh, perhaps uh, to their detriment. Uh, not only has Texas, Texas A&M, even Texas Tech and TCU, uh, as well as SMU, been in that regard. Baylor kind of lagged uh, behind everybody there. People are asking if Riley Leonard will follow Elko to A&M. I would say it's about Riley Leonard. One, he could go pro and be drafted probably in the top two rounds. Two, he committed to David Cutcliffe coming out of high school. So I, I, I'm not – I'd be very surprised if that happened. Well, why, why would he follow Elko, who's a defensive coach? Now, he right. could. Connor Wegman's pl plenty good, though, uh, if he's healthy. Max Johnson, by the way, put his name in the portal. I don't know if people saw that, but yeah. the, uh, the left-handed quarterback that was at A&M had transferred from LSU. He put his name in the portal. Why that's interesting to me – Jerry is his brother stud tight end. Yeah. Really good tight end for the Aggies. I wonder if he goes in the portal as well, because if he does uh, and Texas needs a tight end, that might be a guy. I, I don't know if he's going to put it in, put it in, but some, something to watch down the line. So we got another super chat. We need to get to Roy Womack. Want to thank Roy. He says, was it tech just being horrible or did it seem like the offense ran better? The more Keelan Jaden and Whittington got involved. I, well, I think Texas tech is really bad on defense and without Jalen Hutchings, a couple of linebackers. Yeah, they're bad on defense. Um, once Jalen Hutchings wasn't in that game, that line started the move for reason. People knew that uh, Texas tech could not stop the Texas run game without Jalen Hutchings when they couldn't stop. UCF the week before with Jalen Hutchings before he got hurt. Uh, Tech's not a good defense. That certainly helped. I think Texas wore them down as the game moved along there. Um, so obviously in those situations in the second half, there's going to be bigger holes uh, for the run game. 
a worn down, a not good and injured defense uh, when the game's out of hand. Obviously, they're not going to try to work to populate the football to that same level they would if uh, if the game was not in doubt. So yeah, that helped Texas, of course, um, in the second half of that in the second half of that game. But at the same time, Texas offensive line played really well, and the depth in that offensive line really showed up late in that game. Uh, then we have a question here from Ski Breck. Ski Breck says, I know it's been discussed on the other on Texas football shows, but can we hit the Your Mark Lubbock video at DKR with a minute left in the game? That's legendary troll status. Bobby here laughing. I'm going to let you take this one. I love it. Uh, I don't know if Chris Del Conte approved that or somebody else did, but my hat's off to them. Uh, they deserve it. I mean, look, Texas usually – presents itself with a lot of class. I mean, Brett Yormark did the thing that you can't do. Joey McGuire did the thing that you can't do. Look, I know Joey McGuire is probably a good guy. I don't, I, I, I want to say that. I don't think Brett Yormark necessarily is. I, I think he's just a, you know, a hard gun. Joe, Joey McGuire started talking about breaking their will and stuff like that in front of cameras. You don't say that in front of cameras. That's something that's private. You know, I look that that's my take on that. And they get whatever they whatever's coming to them. 57 to seven. I would have preferred it be freaking 107 to seven. I, I have no and I wanted I, I wish Brett Yormark could have seen it and, you know, looked at it and said, oh, this is what we lost. Uh, hopefully he did, because man, he probably doesn't care, actually. I mean, he's not a he doesn't care about college football. That, that's what the Big 12 got. And that's what pisses me off about some of these conference commissioners. They're just executives. They don't care about college sports. They don't really. Some of the guys that the NCAA has had as presidents, they don't actually give a crap about the actual sport. They're just administrators. What, it, what happens when, when you get that? You get nonsensical rules governed by academics. Not necessarily. I don't have a problem with academics per se. But if they don't care about the sport, how are they actually shepherding it and guiding it to the right place forward? That's what pisses me off. And Brett Yormark's just indicative of that whole group. Hey, somebody asked about high school football playoffs, Blake. Yeah. Duncanville yeah. Westfield coming up uh, December 1st, 7 p.m. North Crowley, who's very, very good. Best football prospect in the state, in my opinion, is the sophomore offensive tackle at North Crowley. And that's saying something if he keeps going. The junior quarterback there committed to TCU's dynamic, a really good thrower in the high school level, too, but can really move. North Crowley plays Allen. I like North Crowley. North Shore rematch. We're talking 6A1, D1. North Shore, Tascacita rematch coming up. Uh, North Shore spanked them and sent them home the first go-round. I yeah, uh, Nate Kibble, obviously Texas commitment for a task to see that I like North Shore there. Lake Travis and Westlake in the real my house is bigger than your house. And you can see my house from your house game uh, coming up here on uh, uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. Oh, man, that's going to that's going to have a lot of uh, Big 12 championship tickets are going to be available because of that game. Um, so uh, that that's one. A Carthage huge win over Pleasant Grove, 34-31. That was my game to watch last week. I think that may be their toughest game uh, as far as a team that could really just beat them, but we'll see. Uh, they got Gilmer this week, and they'll move on from there. I, I'm continuing to watch Carthage because 
you know, Surratt wins a state title this year with that young team. He's going to end up the, the uh, with the most state championships ever in the history of Texas high school football. He deserves it, dude. That guy, I mean, yeah. He, I mean, the great thing about him is he he did he's done it at other schools too, Jerry. He was at Texas High when he was an assistant, and you know, I, I think he, just a good coach. Bottom line. All right, guys. Somebody's asking if I know Coach Clint Hartman. I do from when Clint Coach Hart. I met Coach Hartman when he was at Clear Springs years ago. Great dude, funny guy. Here's a question that's kind of just be chuckle. Uh, Terrell Hennigan says, "Stupid question. Do y'all miss the BCS? Where it would just be one v two? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I I want this to go to sixteen, not twelve. That you. would be that would be ideal." Um, how about this? How about if they keep it at 12? What are the chances you see a secondary NIT like 12 teams? I think that'll be interesting long-term to see if that anything like that pops up in college football. That is interesting. Never even thought about that. Uh, we have a question here from Archmania. Are we catching our best momentum of the year at the most opportune time? I believe this team is different than prior to Iowa State. I think they're healthier. They're healthier, and I think they're more focused, Jerry. I mean, I, I, we talked with Rod about this. Admittedly, after the OU game, it seemed like there was a lull. I, I, they played unfocused. They didn't play all the way through some games. They let things slip. Um, ever since they got out of TCU in Fort Worth by the skin of their teeth, and, and Adonai Mitchell made that catch, I think I think we've seen a different Texas football team. That that is my opinion. They have asserted themselves on defense like never before against both Iowa State and Tech. I mean, they asserted themselves. Offense has been more productive. Fewer three and outs. Fewer. You know, go for the go for broke plays from Steve Sarkeesian instead, just moving the ball and trying to win. Uh, I think the last two games have been highly, highly focused for the Longhorns. And if they can keep that focus going and that focus lulled, it lulled against Houston. It lulled against Kansas State in the second half against uh, TCU in the second half. They keep that focus and mental uh, toughness. Going forward, this team can play with anybody in the country. I firmly believe that. We have a couple of super chats we need to get to. And uh, Colton says, does your Mark call in sick Saturday to avoid handing Sark in Texas? What? Maybe not sick. Let's see. Who's Kansas playing in basketball next Saturday? <laughs> Kansas basketball schedule. Yeah, no, he may be at Rucker Park for, you know, some kind of big event in New York City for some reason. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, not, not Kansas plays Friday against UConn. Well, that's close to Rucker Park. He yeah. May, maybe his flight gets delayed Saturday <laughs> because he's going to be at UConn in Kansas, I'm guessing. I, I look, that guy, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like talking about him anymore. I just, <laughs> I always, always just say this. If you look at him and compare him to Greg Sankey, at, with the SEC and, and people, a lot of Texas fans are not yet familiar with Greg Sankey, the, the commissioner of the SEC. If you compare those two guys, I know who I want to be with. 
from a you know league standpoint, from a professionalism standpoint, from how you treat fellow members standpoint, it's not all hucksterism. There's actually substance behind it, right? With Brett Yormark, it's just hucksterism. It's like I'm trying to be sold something that I don't want to be sold. It's like I need a vacuum or something. And he's going door to door. Anyways, and that's not a knock on people that are vacuumed. It's just, he he has that feel to him. Whereas you look at Greg Sankey, well-spoken, articulate, not uh, trying to sell you something, just trying to uh, do what's essentially the best uh, for his teams. That's, that's where I'm at. Uh, we have another super chat. Uh, by the way, Wayne Watson, the one you just put in, send your question normal. I'll attach it. Uh, but Travis Earls, Jerry, this one's for you. Any news on Ryan Williams or DeCorian Moore? You know, Texas will keep fighting there. Uh, Ryan Williams obviously is going to um, – plans to uh, reclassify to 2024, which means that recruitment would play out a little while. Uh, not likely he's a December signee because he's currently still 2025, so he technically can't be. He may not even be a letter intent guy. He's a scholarship papers and go on the college guy uh, if, if he does get that uh, uh, reclassification done. Uh, but Texas will keep fighting. There's a, a intense pressure on that kid to stay in state. He's an Alabama commitment. Their season hasn't gone off the rails. Uh, his father played at Auburn. He's been to two Auburn games this year. That's a uh, that's a high stakes recruitment in, in, in Mobile area, man. That's what I'll tell you. But Texas is a uh, Texas is willing to get in the fight there, and they have been in the fight. They're gonna have to get him on campus here after the start of the year. DeCorey Moore, look, Texas will be right there. Um, they'll keep recruiting him. Uh, I don't think anything's changed there. It's going to be one of those two teams at the end of the day. He'll either sign with LSU or he'll sign with Texas, barring something uh, significant changing in his recruitment. Uh, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely. John and his team at Longhorn Wealth want to congratulate the UT football team for their amazing 11-1 conference-leading record, Big 12 season regular champs, uh, Big 12 regular season champs, and for making it to the Big 12 Championship game this coming Saturday. Just like them, Longhorn Wealth also strives to be the leader in satisfying all of their clients' financial planning needs and desires. So if you would like a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you design, develop, defend, and distribute your wealth for the benefit of you and your loved ones, please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972 707 4900 or visit John at longhornwealth.net. That's 972 707 4900 or visit John at longhornwealth.net. A 30 year plus member uh, of uh, a certified financial planner uh, working in investment, retirement insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. Okay, guys, we got some more Super Chats we need to get to. Wayne Watson came through with his, so we're going to get to that. Thank you, Wayne. He says, there's not much news on Colton Vostick. Is it because he's trying to put on pounds and more of a project? I don't think he's a project. I think he's had some struggles with nagging injuries uh, since he got on campus. Definitely not a project. The guy that's when he's been healthy shown well um, at at Texas. Uh, So they have high hopes for Colton Vostick. He's just got to... Uh, he does need to add strength, uh, obviously, to his frame like anybody else coming in. That defensive line is still a developmental position. 
Uh, but no, Texas likes Colton Vosick a lot. It's more just getting healthy and continuing to build that frame. And then this next super chat, guys, uh, is going to be about some other teams, actually. Fresh Prince, 512. Thank you, Fresh. He says, assuming Florida State wins, what would happen yeah. if Bama blows out Georgia and we blow out Oklahoma State? Could the SEC be left out completely? I, and this is the get-out-of-jail-free card for the, the committee. I do think the SEC could be left out completely in a scenario like that because they'll be like, hey, it's the la last year, this madness. We didn't, we didn't start it. We just signed up to do the best job we could. This is all taken care of next year. I think they have the easiest get-out-of-jail-free card for any if there's chaos uh, of all time. Um, I, I do think there's a scenario where the SEC could get left out. And I know everybody's saying there's absolutely no way in the hell that could happen. But I do think there's a scenario where it could. I don't think Bama's going to beat I don't either. Georgia. I mean, Bama just doesn't have the dudes on offense. All right, then we have a super chat from Lee Barden, and he says, does the Elko hire close out chances for Ty Anthony Smith? What are the chances for Evan Stewart? Just win, baby. Let the cow chips fall where they may and hook them. Yeah, I, I think Ty Anthony was a guy who was already pretty uh, – had remained locked in to A&M more so than some other guys. Um, and, look, the, the thing, too, look, is Texas is making a different push for Phil Same than they are for Ty Anthony Smith. So maybe the way that staff used those guys, Tanthony Smith's a very good player. I think he play in the NFL one day. I'm a big fan. I'm just saying where Texas is at in the process. Um, so, you know, that, I think that is uh, – I think that's where it's at. I think he'll end up probably sticking with A&M, uh, barring something major happening there. Evan Stewart, we'll see. I mean, we'll see that what happens there. Texas needs a receiver in the portal. They've got to get a receiver in the portal, guys. So whether it's Evan Stewart or somebody else uh, – you know, we we shall see, but they've got to get a re receiver in the portal. Uh, let's switch gears to Oklahoma State, guys. Uh, talk about them. We have a couple of questions on that, and we did have somebody ask if we'll have an Oklahoma State media member on. We are working on that probably later in the week. But Joel McWaters preaches sometimes. Says, "Will we see more of Red on Saturday? He doesn't run angry. He runs Darth Vader, Mike Tyson level hate. Like how much OU students hate books." <laughs> That's a good comparison. I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think the game, where the game's at, will dictate that. The health of Cedric Baxter will dictate that. Um, the one thing that uh, Cedric Baxter, Jaden Blue, I've gone for them is they're really good out of the backfield too. Sticky hands in the passing game. And I actually think that's going to be part of the game plan against Oklahoma State uh, Saturday. Uh, and add to you, Jerry, on that, uh, they also have more experience picking up blitzes. Jaden yeah. Blue have, and and uh, C.J. Baxter. That's going to be important as long as the game is close. That that will be why Savion Red does not see much action, uh, more so than actually his actual ability at this point. They 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 can't allow a free run at, at Quinn Ewers in this game. And then Bobby Brown wants to know about Oklahoma State and their injuries. Yeah, they're, they're going to be a little bit of a beat-up team. One of their offensive linemen went down, but I think it was just re-injuring an elbow. Uh, Ollie Gordon's not 100%. He, uh, Bobby called it similar to Xavier Worthy. He limps off the field half the time, but he comes back, and then uh, Ollie runs with authority. Uh, so they're not, you know, look, they're not 100%, obviously. They're, they got their bumps and bruises, too. I don't think they lost anybody of significance in Saturday's game, and that's the key. They didn't lose anybody. That is, we'll see what Mike Gundy has to say, but it didn't look like watching the game. They lost anybody that should be considered a guy. Okay, he's definitely out for the game uh, on Saturday, unless I totally missed it. 
They uh, they did. Uh, I will add this. They did play a double overtime game, very oh, yeah. game uh, on Saturday. They're coming off uh, regular rest. Texas got an extra day. I mean, Texas may have partied until the actual Oklahoma State got it. Even the game even started for them. So maybe Texas didn't get an extra day of rest. Uh, but my point being that that uh, Oklahoma State has had a long year, just like Texas, and injuries do accrue. Uh, the double overtime game the week before you got to play another game, that's tough. That's one of the reasons why yeah. Chris Kleiman went for it, by the way. Yeah. Um, he didn't, he didn't want to play another, another one. So. There you go. And uh, then earlier y'all were talking about Texas, uh, pressing more on defense. So Nick Ramos says, could Texas have debuted that versus tech this past weekend to prepare a bit for Oklahoma state? I, I don't think so. I think they saw that Texas Tech's outside receivers weren't vertical threats. And if Miles Price didn't play in that game, uh, that, that is a and didn't have the the threat at tight end down the seam, I think it matched up really well. And along with Texas knowing they could get after Texas Tech and pass pro, I think that matched up really well to go play man press. But I do think there's similarities with Oklahoma State. I think it's very good for Texas. That they were play, they were able to play that against the Texas Tech team, who's similar with their receivers as the Oklahoma State team. So I think it's really good for Texas. They were able to play that style, play that press against Texas Tech, because I think they're going to turn around and do it again to Oklahoma State. And while we're talking about the Texas secondary, Ian wants to know: Does anyone else think that this was a coming out party for Muhammad and the DBs' complete game? Uh. I will say this, uh, they didn't, I didn't feel like they missed running Watts. Um, does that mean it was a coming out party? I don't know. That was a whale of an interception by Manny Muhammad, uh, for sure. Uh, Rod Babers described it, and I, I think he has a, a, a good way of doing that. There are guys that shadow people, and there are guys that play the ball. Manny Muhammad plays the ball. He's like a, a Nathan Vasher type. He plays the ball, not necessarily just the man certain corners that can do that ha have a chance to be really special and get a lot of picks along the way terrence brooks by the way his third interception of the year yeah he's quietly lead and they're i think they have three three people with three interceptions this year right now uh jaron thompson terrence brooks and uh michael taff Let's see, guys. This next question, you mentioned Watts, Bobby, so let's touch on that for a minute. Bobby Brown wants to know if there's any news on him returning, and at the same time, Tommy wants to know about Alfred Collins returning. All right, I want to say this, I, because we've had a, about a 1,000 people join since we started off, and we started with this topic, so it, 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 these are all good good uh, wraparound topics. Number one is uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian goes to the podium today at 1130 uh, for his press conference. We'll likely get an update of sorts from Ryan Watts. I think everything came back negative from my understanding as, as far as physical structure issues with his neck. It was just a stinger. He should be ready so long as he's been medically cleared uh, because it wasn't lower body related or anything like that. As far as players coming back, Alfred Collins, chief among them, the defensive lineman, who's been invited uh, to play in some games, uh, postseason games, I have not heard anything definitive that way. I will say this. Uh, I know of at least three guys that are contemplating returning to the Longhorns next year um, that could actually go ahead and leave, go pro, grad transfer, whatever they want to do. 
I know of at least one of them at this point that has decided to return. I'm going to let that player, and we're going to let that player announce on his own terms his decision. Uh, but there is some good news in that regard uh, for Texas as they go into the SEC because you don't want an inexperienced team going on the road uh, four or five games a year next year. So uh, I, I feel like there's some something, uh, a level to that uh, that needs to be discussed. But uh, right now, no clear definitive word on Alfred Collins. There you go. All right, Jesse Ullman, he says, if we made it to the playoffs and Ewers shows out, do you think he still comes back? Jerry, you want to take that or you want me to, to – I was told he's still coming back as of right now. You know, that's a hypothetical that if that happens and maybe he ups his ante, I I don't know. I mean, I guess that's – when I said not, I was told at least 90%, maybe that's the, the number. Uh, you know, maybe that's the, the 10% chance that he goes. Yeah, I think that's correct. Okay, guys, this next one here from Albert. And Albert says, do you all think that Neto can beat out Hayden Connor for the other guard spot next year? If Hayden, if Hayden Connor's still playing left guard, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure he is. Yeah, I mean, Hayden Connor could be moving to right tackle just to give a left tackle. And that he could end up becoming the uh, the Swiss Army knife of the, the offensive line. And while we're talking about the offensive line next year, Kelly also followed that up with, do you expect the offensive line to be dominant? next season dominant in the sec probably not better and more a better offensive line continuing to grow under flood yes but dominant in the sec as an offensive line means you're lining up against two or three nfl guys most weeks and just dominating those guys i don't i don't think that's going to be the case they don't exist yeah dominant offensive lines in the sec don't exist great offensive lines exist but they're still not dominant like Alabama had one of the best offensive lines you're ever going to see. I think four, four or five, four first round picks and an all American center that didn't get picked. They still, as good as they were, they had games they didn't rush for a hundred. I mean, you, you guys got to realize it's a different animal uh, in that in that conference from the perspective of uh, the rush defense. They're more physical up front. Uh, it's just, it's just different. You can be a great offensive line in the SEC and not be able to run the ball some weeks. And, and I'll say this. So if you look at the team that I think has a great offensive line this year is Michigan in college football. I mean, it's seven guys that are going to be drafted. Apparently. Um, I don't think Texas next year will be as good as Michigan this year. I think that I, that's, that's, that that's what I would say. And Michigan won't be able to run the ball against Georgia if they play Georgia. Not the way they've been running the ball against Penn State and Ohio State, et cetera. Michigan is uh, – Georgia is more talented. Alabama's more talented up front. Just a little bit. I mean, Ohio State and Penn State have NFL players across the board. They don't have as many, and they don't they can't rotate as many as, as Alabama and Georgia, or even Texas in that regard, in my opinion. Man, lots of questions coming in about next year, obviously, from the excitement of this year. But Ski Break, while we're on the subject, says, how does this year's offensive line compare to next year's? Do you think it'll be better, worse, same? Obviously, we discussed the dominant part of it, but what do y'all think? Oh, I think it's going to be better. Better because Kelvin Banks is a third-year player. DJ Campbell's a second-year player. I think Cam Williams will be able to roll right in the right tackle and play really well. I think they're going to be a better run-blocking team next year. Um, so 
I think some of those younger guys are growing up. I mean, think about Trevor Grooseby redshirting as a redshirt freshman and what he's going to look like. Jaden Chapman as a redshirt freshman, what he's going to look like. Um, Connor Robertson, another year in the program. I mean, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, I'll throw one out for you guys. The crazy thing is, you know what position the offensive line is probably going to have the most depth next year? Center. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about because Daniel Cruz is coming in midterm. Uh, Connor Robertson, Cole Hudson. What if Jake Majors comes back, right? I mean, dad, depth at center uh, at Texas. Haven't been able to say that. There are a lot of times where people say, we just got to get somebody over 280 pounds out there. We discussed the offensive line next year. Uh, it's Frail Hennigan, though. He wants to know, do you think Jaden Blue locked up the backup job for next season? I don't know that anything's locked up at running back. I mean, look, Jaden Blue could end up being the starter next year. You just don't know. I mean, he could be third string depending on who, how Christian Clark looks. I mean, Texas is recruiting at a level right now, guys, that there are no guarantees, especially not at running back. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just be honest. I mean, they start they start bringing guys that, that they think are special at, at these positions. It's like Derek Williams jumped B.J. Allen in a heartbeat at safety. You just don't know. As good as Jaden Blue looked. That, uh, somebody asked about Peyton Kirkland. He had a he had a pretty significant uh, knee injury during the season this year, and he has a he has a pretty long uh, runway in front of him. As far I as do think he's a transfer candidate, but yeah. you know there are two dozen guys that are transfer candidates right now. Right. I mean, our, two dozen guys aren't transferring, and and he's a guy with an injury that he may not even be able to play next year. So, I, what value do you have in the portal? Probably not much. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Huey with the super chat. We want to thank Brandon. He says Sade Barron is the king of handshakes. The guy has one with everybody. <laughs> also, do you see Wisner or Blue transferring with all the depth in the running back room? Uh, I haven't heard either one of those guys. No. Nah. I mean, now I could be wrong, but that's not those aren't names that have I've I've heard. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think, and we're, we're speculating here, but I would think you would be closer to seeing blue or red. I, I, I want to say this. I mean, I mean, if we're somebody like, I, we're not even talking about Jonathan Brooks potentially coming back. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's the thing is that I would be. I think you'd be more likely to see a blue or red hop in the portal versus a Wisner um, uh, because you know you don't Wisner. He's he's too good. He's valuable special teams. I mean, Texas really really likes him. Not that they don't like the other guys, but if Brooks is returning. Then one of those guys that's a year older expecting to have more time next year would be your ones that might look. And while we're on the subject of Wisner, guys, Ted Apare one says, How about Arch Manning with those DeSoto boys, Trey Wisner and John Tay Cook this past weekend? True. That's good. That's a good I didn't even think about that. Um I, I look, I, I told y'all earlier in this uh this chat or in this uh, live stream that I went back and watched the third and fourth quarter with particular attention on offense, uh, especially. And I, they they have some young guys on offense that just can do some things. Arch Manning is chief among them. But, God, I mean, I'm telling you, Cam Williams, as a blocker, I mean, he blots out a side of a ball. I mean, he, he literally is as good a run blocker as I've seen in a Texas uniform. Take, I mean, he's better than he's better than Leonard Davis was. He's quicker than Leonard. 
same same size, if not bigger. And that's, I mean, you talk about high praise. I'm talking about a backup offensive lineman. Uh, Jonte Cook looked terrific on the on the uh, little stop route he had at the chains, made something into it, 17-yard reception. Trey Wisner, um, you know, he has a he he's interesting, Jerry, in that he he looks like he can get skinny in yeah. the hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jamal Charles did that. And that's what reminded me of Jamal, that plus the little burst that he has. Obviously, he doesn't have the long speed that, that Jamal had, but he's still pretty fast. Yeah. Somebody's asking who would return kickoffs next year. I, well, watch out for Ryan Niblett. Yes. Great call, Jerry. Great call. Ryan Niblett and most likely either Savion Red or DeAndre Moore. Yeah. That, that's it today. All right, guys, we're going to do two more questions before we wrap it up here. Uh, Archmania says, how pumped are y'all for next year's schedule? I'm juiced up to see some new venues with new fans in the stands. No, it's awesome. I mean, just think about, think about, like, we've had that question, who are you going to miss in the Big 12? I didn't even say a team, nobody. I'll (laughs) I'll miss going, I'll miss watching Mike Gundy on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Not that I won't check in but it's different because it's just i think the guy's done an amazing job at oklahoma state I, I don't think you could stick six coaches in the Stillwater at that time and they'd have done what he did um i think he's done a great job there just think about georgia and florida are coming to austin next year i mean georgia fans are coming to austin next year they i think they've what have they won 44 of their last 45 games headed into saturday i mean florida coming in the Austin next year. I mean, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Billy Napier will be on that flight at that time, but Florida's coming to Austin next year. And think about the venues you have in the future. I mean, this is I this is the most exciting time for Texas fan. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's not just football, baseball. Think about the venues you have if you travel with the baseball team. I mean, there is so much in this conference. I can tell you from living down in Florida, just doing this job nationally, being at all those places, it's. There is, there is, I'm not just playing off the, the term, but it, it, there's a little something different in the SEC, guys. Y'all are going to, the Texas fans are going to absolutely love the road games in the SEC. I, I'll say this, on Texas football, we'll be on the road next year, including <laughs> the game at Michigan. So get ready for some tailgates and some fun because we're, we're going to be there. Uh, it, it is it is a, a different uh, type of deal. Uh, there's more com- – I don't want to say camaraderie, but there's more of a social uh, element to football in the SEC than there is in the Big 12 overall. Um, and so people build their time around it uh, more frequently. I, I, we talked about this last night, Jerry. The one team I'm going to miss in the Big 12 is not like I don't know. I don't even know if I'll watch Tech, Oklahoma State. TCU, Baylor, Houston. I won't even watch a game of theirs next year, most likely. Just thinking about it. I mean, because if unless they're in the national conversation, there's just re- really no reason to. The one team that I'll always keep an eye on, I think, is actually Kansas State. Because there's an element there that I like about how they play. Um, blue collar, some walk-ons mixed in with some guys that weren't necessarily thought of as highly. Uh, so I have, I have some, I don't know why, but I have some respect for that program. Uh, and I'll check on them and Chris Kleiman every so often. And then piggybacking off that last question, Brandon says, what would you all consider a good record in our introductory year to the SEC? Eight and four. Nine and three. Eight and four would be a good record for me. 
I mean, I, I don't expect Texas to have as good a year this year. If they're, they're losing Sweat, Murphy, there's a, those are probably your two best players overall. Then you lose Worthy, your best player on offense probably. You know, we'll see. Ad, Adonai Mitchell has been huge this year. Touchdown leader at receiver. All right, we have a super chat we have to hit on real quick. UT Boy says, who is Jonte? Thank you, UT Boy, for the <laughs> – he sent that in when we were talking about the DeSoto boys. Hope so. he gets a touchdown in Arlington this week. Welcome home. <laughs> That's what I hope. All right, guys, before we get out of here, we've had a, a ton of questions, a lot of new people joining us since the beginning of this broadcast. Jerry, a lot of those have been about Jared Gibson and Phil Same. Can you kind of just run that down one more time for everybody? Yeah, and please, everybody, and the, uh, hit the uh, subscribe button and the like button there as well. That helps us. Um, but, yeah, Jared Gibson was at Florida again. He was at Texas Friday, Florida Saturday. Um, uh, Gators Online, of our On3 Network, caught up with him. and He didn't want to do an interview – but asked if he might make an official visit to Florida. He said it's possible. So nothing locked in. Um, Florida has uh, Jaden Ball, a uh, running back committed to Arkansas, uh, scheduled to officially visit December 8th weekend. Uh, so if you see Jarrett Gibson, if we see Jarrett Gibson scheduling an official visit to Florida, that probably won't be great news for Texas because he's already been there three times unofficially. Why do you need to go back and take an official, even though you live in Gainesville? Um, Xavier Phil same. Same thing, flip the flip the uh, script, though. If he schedules an official visit to Texas, Florida fans will know that's not good news for them in this recruitment. He's already been on campus once unofficially with his father. Then he was at Florida this weekend for the game. So if he turns around and schedules a, an official visit to Texas, even if it's a midweek visit, that means they're going to Texas one more time, and that's generally not going to be a good sign for Florida in this recruitment. So I would say the same thing about both of those. Uh, but Xavier Philsame was at Florida over the weekend. Um, and we'll see We'll see if those guys end up on those campuses once again. 26 days, I believe, until National Signing Day, by the way, or 24. Not much longer. All right, Jeff Rosner, you put in a super chat uh, before I kick it over to Bobby to, let, to tell everybody. If you'll send that in regular, we will get that attached and get to it before we get out of here. Bobby, obviously, Sark with the press conference at 1130 today, so I know you guys will be hitting on that. What all can everybody expect later today on On Texas Football? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting down with Brian Irwin, uh, the, the uh, coach, for lunch with the coach. Uh, that should be fun this afternoon. Uh, Jerry and Rod are going to come back with Talking Ball uh, this afternoon or this evening uh, for folks as well. We've got a bunch of stuff planned this whole week. Uh, hopefully, uh, Blake, we get Donald Hawkins on uh, to talk a little football uh, this week, the former Longhorn offensive lineman. Uh, one of the things we want, we wanted to talk about at some point is just how good the Texas offensive line has played over the last several weeks because they've been a real uh, consistent uh, force. And Donald is now a offensive line guru of sorts. And so we bringing him in to talk uh, with him a little bit, the former Longhorn. Uh, we've also got other things planned throughout the week. Jerry and I will be in uh, Arlington and in Dallas this week. Uh, we're going to have a, a live stream from uh, Terry Black's barbecue on Friday afternoon. Uh, this all compounded with one fact. It is getting to be recruiting season. Jerry's already written an article this morning about it. If you're not a subscriber right now to Inside Texas, uh, you need to be one. Make sure you visit InsideTexas.com. Use promo code OTFIT23. $1 for two months. That's $1 for two months. If you use the code OTFIT23. 
Hey, look, everybody's been asking. There's no read today, but you know the Lawnmower 5.0 is always here. Next week. Next week it's back, but you know the Lawnmower 5.0 is always here. <laughs> All right, guys, before we get out of here, Jeff Rosner came through with his super chat, and it is a loaded question, so he's going he's gonna to ask this. Is the secondary press coverage something to make the defense more effective? Points on field goals is something Sark is good with and puts a lot of pressure on the other team. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think I think that they needed to show something different to people. I, I, I will say this. I think that by them lining up in press coverage, it shocked Texas Tech on Friday night. Utterly shocked them. They were prepared for 15 different things. They were not prepared for Texas to line up and play press against their against their wide receivers at all. That was if if you wanted to, sh- I mean, and to put bring five and six man pressure almost every time where they blitz sixty percent of the time. That's anti Pete Kwiatkowski, <laughs> all right. That is not what he does. But they lined up and did that, and it it shocked them. I thought. Hey, to that point, you know what Mike Gundy's going to do. If he sees it, wide receiver screens. Oh, yeah. That'll be the next. That'll be what Gundy tries to hit Texas with. Watching Texas Tech said, okay, my guys can't run past them either. What am I going to do? I've been around this game a long time. I'm going to let the ends come up the field. I'm going to run wide receiver screen off their butt. Yeah. It'll be interesting what, what Texas does because I think Bowman is not as mobile even as Baron Hundred percent. So they won't necessarily have to run the ends up the field to get pressure that way. Yep. Uh, we got one more super chat that just came in. Colton wants y'all to stay away. He says Texas is one <laughs> when inside Whoa. Texas visits Terry Blacks. Two things there, Colton. The food's too good to stay away. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? I smelled because we did that outdoors. I mean, my clothes smelled like Terry Blacks barbecue for a week, and I didn't really want to wash them. Um, <laughs> so I wore that shirt about three times, I think. Um, two, um, now 45, 20-ish. I think it's going to be worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. We want to thank Homefield Apparel and Longhorn Wealth Management Group for sponsoring today's show. Thank you for all the super chats, all the questions. Sorry we did not get to all of them. There were a ton. We'll try to get to as many as we can tomorrow. Uh, Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a new video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome.